Hello, I'm Taylor. And I'm Felice, and welcome back to Drunk Poet Society. Today, uh, our book for our little book club here is Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. And along with that book, just as usual, we have a paired cocktail for today. Uh, we will place the actual recipe on our Instagram, but it is a cold hot toddy with fireball whiskey, lemon juice, honey, and cinnamon shaken and served over ice, and we call it the fireman. The fireman. And it, it's, I mean, it's putting out fires, so mm -hmm. not quite with the theme of the book, but I'm, I'm enjoying it thus far. It's really nice. Um, I'm not typically a, you know, fireball drinker. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I mean, when you're doing a book about fires... What's more appropriate than Fireball? How to do something with whiskey, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it really doesn't taste that bad, because I'm a big fan of, like, lemon, honey, cinnamon-type mm -hmm. flavors anyway, so. Yeah. I mean, what would Bray Bradbury do? Probably drink whiskey? Probably. To start, first I just want to say that this book, I think, for me, was a lot more effective this time around than when I read it in high school. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because of, like current political climates or growing up, any of those things. But in the last 15 years since I've read this, my perspective has changed a bit. That and also I feel like any book that you have to read in high school, even even if it's a great book, it's always like that kind of tinged with, I have to read this for English class or, you know, whatever. So I don't thoroughly enjoy it. And I don't remember... Um, I mean, I talked about this on the intro, but Catch-22 is my favorite book, even though it was a required reading book. And this mm -hmm. one, to me, when I first read it, was just another required reading book. And I've grown to love Ray Bradbury books. I agree. Especially, I really, I mean, I definitely liked this one my second read through. Um, but some of his short stories are some of my favorite things that I've read by Ray Bradbury. So the fact that he can kind of translate that into, you know, a whole novel yeah. It is very, very cool. Well, I, I love the Illustrated Man, too, so that might come up on our book club at some point, because that's, like, you know, all his, mm -hmm. all his short stories, and, and, of course, incorporated with this, like, tattooed fellow, which I really enjoy. <laughs> like, I just like the imagery of it all. Well, and it was interesting, too, because I came across old annotations. New, I definitely made some new ones in this book, because I do like annotating as I read when it comes to things that you're going to discuss, so that way you remember. Yeah. But some of the older annotations were things me just like writing derogatory statements about characters, like I hate her. Like, yeah. All right. all right, fifteen year old Felice, like same. You I do love that. reading my old annotations where it's just like, or I even used to write things like, I don't get this. <laughs> just in the margins, like, is this a symbol for something? <laughs> <laughs> it has to be. It's in a book, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the fact that this was written in 1950 is really interesting, just because it does feel as if this in 1984 and some other books like that are really prevalent and people absolutely should still be reading them in school. Although, yeah. you know, if they start burning books and banning books, then who knows? Yeah. Know. Um, I, like, also uh, rereading this, I loved. But I also wanted to find out a little bit more about Ray, Ray Bradbury. Mm -hmm. So, like, I did a little bit of, like, looking at... Um, interviews and articles and stuff and so I found out I don't know if you know this but uh, so 
Fahrenheit 451 started as a short story called the kind of the concept was the pedestrian Mm -hmm. and it was based off this uh his own encounter where he was just a pedestrian on a street and um I forget what year it was but it was like not many people were walking down the street and a cop comes up to him and just just going like what are you doing uh you know all this stuff and kind of being weird to Ray Bradbury and um for no apparent reason and he's like sorry officer I'll make sure not to walk again or because the cop is like what are you doing he's like putting one foot in front of the other being really sarcastic and stuff and he goes home and like writes the pedestrian and then that was kind of the starting place for Fahrenheit 451 but it was first published in a sci-fi magazine uh like the short story version of Fahrenheit 451 not in its entirety but then he ended up selling it to Hugh Hefner uh for four hundred dollars and it was published in issues two three and four of Playboy which I did not know. <laughs> Interesting. So that was like his first sale of whatever was to Hugh Hef. <laughs> ah, to the Hef. All right. Well, you know, he got a lot of careers started. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Right on. Uh, I don't know. Another fun fact. Did you know that 451 degrees Fahrenheit is the temperature at which paper burns? I did know that, (laughs) based on the book. Yeah. um, That's something that I never learned in high school. I was like, hmm, let me research the title. It's like, of course that's exactly what it means. Like, I'm I'm a middle school science teacher. Like, that's something that should definitely... Is that scientifically proven? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, as relative as, you know, boiling rate and freezing, those kinds of things. I was just curious, because, like, in that same interview, he was like, I wasn't sure. I just called up the fire department and was like, what's the temperature that uh, paper burns? And they said 451. If you look it up, I mean, the internet never lies. So if you look it up on the internet, that's definitely what it will tell you. So it depends on how much you trust the internet. I don't know. Based on this book, it just shows me they're trying to rope me in and put so many screens in my house. Uh, my husband is particularly afraid of those, like, Alexas and all of those. He will not put one in our house. And that's exactly what this reminded me of. Yeah. Like, I think it's always creepy of uh, when there's, like, a commercial for an Alexa and you have an Alexa in the room and then it starts going off. That's when I'm like, oh, it's just, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but as I was reading in, in the, you know, early aughts, when I was reading this book in school, it wasn't like that. Like, Skype was around and you had... Definitely had, you know, people taking videos from their computers and video chatting, but it was not the same way it is now with all the interactive screens and yeah. refrigerators. And it's that portion is certainly kind of coming to light a little bit. And reading books like this maybe makes you a little bit more aware of how much they can control your daily lifestyle, how, you know, people are a slave to screens. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And uh, I think it's really amazing everything that has, it, it was kind of Ray Bradbury, per, like predicting the future in a, in a lot of uh, essences, even like with the seashell oh, yeah. um, hearing thing, you know. Look, you see, you know, people walking around, even like Busy Philip and all of her, all of her uh, Instagram stories with her ear pods, like that's yeah. a shell. Like I know exactly what that is now. Yeah. And you know, the wall mount, like it's not necessarily wall to wall TVs, even though they're 100% a thing. It's oh, not yeah. a mainstay, but wall-mounted TVs mm-hmm. even, things like just, you're right, everything is smart. It's smart refrigerators and smartphones and all that fun stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Like, I realize, and I, I have, you know, a television set and a computer. <laughs> and my, my computer has, like, facial recognition, which is, again, something else that freaked out my husband. Yeah. But these are all things that help us and ease us if you're using the tools 
correctly. Like, hopefully, if you're listening, you... Sorry, my dog just jumped on my lap. <laughs> I know you're going to hear some uh, <laughs> movement, but anyways, go on. <laughs> hopefully, if you're listening, you at least have books in your home. You know, maybe you're tired of having all of that space and you have a Kindle, but, you know, there's still some type of non-screen related thing around you at some point in time. That's a hard one for me to cope with is because I love the convenience of my Kindle. Mm -hmm. I love bookstores and I always say if you can support your local bookstore, Mm -hmm. you know, go buy whatever. And obviously I have a bookshelf right next to us. So I I do love physically having books, but for travel purposes or for, oh, I want to read that book and you can immediately download it or the library e-card. It's just, Mm -hmm. but I know um, my dog Oliver really likes books too, so um, he was just chiming in on that. But you're right; it's 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 just interesting uh, that it can be technology can be our uh, greatest endeavor in like really helping society, but can it also put like potentially lead us to? And I'm not going to get into it, but like AI and all of that oh, trippy yeah, stuff. Too. Absolutely, you know the the self-driving cars and all those kinds of things kind of freak me out. But the one thing that I did kind of find interesting that he didn't write about, so. Um, generally we have a point in the show where we, I should say generally, this is the second episode, um, (laughs) where we do kind of spoiler alert kind of things. And I suppose this will be now, if you have not read this, you know, in your lifetime, then I would kind of pick it up and maybe come back to this later. But one thing that I found interesting, um, is toward the end of the book, our antagonist or our protagonist. (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. our hero um meets up with like-minded people and he finds that you know they're also burning books but in preservation they are memorizing these so one thing that i thought was interesting was you have all of these screens all over but bradbury didn't necessarily think to digitize books Mm -hmm. so they were just kind of like this finite physical material and once they were gone they were gone so i in that sense, I suppose we're in a better position now because at least, you know, like we still have books, if even if it's not physical school, copy yeah. of mine from high school, you know, gets burned up. You know, I can say, hey, Tail, why don't you uh, yeah. send me <laughs> on my Kindle your yeah. book? You can't. It's Yeah, it's not as finite. You can't you can't burn them up. Yeah, that's totally true. Um, and then just a fun quote I found by Bradbury, too, was you don't have to burn books to destroy culture, just p- get people to stop reading them. Mm-hmm. So it it that was an interesting one, because obviously that was from him later in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even the concept of, because, you know, going back to even like Nazis burning books and stuff like that, um, you don't you don't have to in in this kind of digital age where people are more fanatical about watching TV and movies. And trust me, I love TV and movies. I'm sure. not bashing current media at all but uh, basically what it's saying is like once people stop reading them whether they're there or not isn't what's actually ruining culture what's you know it's people not expanding their knowledge or not not reading you know well and it's interesting too because it's like if you've been on a train either in the states in europe anywhere else in the last 10 years you you see people all around you not necessarily with books and newspapers and magazines but with their phones out And it's so hard not to, like, look around and be like, oh, that's so sad. But you know that a lot of them probably are reading news articles or are probably, you know, reading from their Kindle. Yeah. But I still look and I'm like, oh, I bet they're just scrolling through Facebook or Instagram. And, again, something I'm guilty of. This is not something that I don't do, as double negative as that was. But (laughs) it's definitely something that I do. But 
it is nice to to see people in a library or a bookstore or elsewhere reading books. My students have a very, very hard time with physical books. I think that if they all had e-readers, maybe they would read a lot more, but it, I don't know, it really bums me out. So, um, kind of, I marked a few things. So starting near the beginning, I'm on page 34, uh, I thought it was interesting. Montag is talking to um, Beatty about how, like, has it always been like this? Like, what's the difference? And he says, like, I mean, well, once upon a time, and Beatty says, once upon a time, what kind of talk is that? Mm -hmm. Like, even just saying, like, the idea of telling a story, let alone if it's in print, is just something so preposterous. Like, yeah. don't question the status quo. You have to just follow the rules, burn the books. Yeah. And I think all the the different characters, of course, bring different things. Like you have um, Montag or Montag um, and then his wife, who is just totally media obsessed and oblivious mm -hmm. to everything going on. And even when he tries to engage her in conversation, she's just like, I, I don't even understand what you're saying. It's like you're speaking a different language mm -hmm. to me. And so obviously that's a very like far end of the spectrum of what could happen <laughs> in terms of when we stop reading. Yeah. But then you have someone like Clarice, who's kind of manic pixie dream girl yeah. and, you know, comes in and plays her role in uh, getting Montag to realize what what firemen are actually doing, you know? Um, and that there are other perspectives. Like, it isn't just black and white. Yeah. Even, let's see, shortly after that, um, I thought, again, I, I see a lot of parallels, and maybe this is fanatical, I don't think it is, to just kind of in the United States and as well as many other countries, what's happening with how politics are so divided, really, really divisive right now. And I liked that Beatty, he was giving a whole huge monologue and he said, if you don't want a man unhappy politically, don't give him a two sides to a question, mm. which kind of showed me that the media in, especially, I know all over the place, but since we live in the U.S., that's something that, you know, we're familiar with, you know, which channels have certain political leanings. So, you For know, sure. if you're like, yeah. oh, I'm only going to get all of the right wing information if I'm listening to Fox News in the morning, or I'm only going to get all of the left wing stuff if I turn on MSNBC or yeah. something. So if you're giving these two groups of people one option of something to believe in, you know, you're going to have nice herds of humans that are not unhappy. They agree with their party, you know? Yeah. So uh, education is kind of the key there. As long as you keep the masses stupid, then no one will question anything and yeah. it will go along. Definitely. I really, what struck me the first time I read it, like uh, in high school was, uh, I wish I had a photographic memory. <laughs> I wish I could read. I wish I could read a book and just have it memorized. Like that would that. be really cool. Yeah, especially for I mean tests and stuff for sure. But for coming back in, uh, just being able to quote perfectly, not paraphrasing like Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, the the pretension of like feeling really really smart. Yeah, I feel like I would like that because I, as an avid reader growing up. I never had like writing aspirations because I was never particularly adept at it, but I always wished that I could have been like a really good writer, not wished mm -hmm. enough to like put a lot of effort <laughs> yeah. into it and actually doing it. But I feel like if you, this book has so many allusions to other things as a, a book about books, essentially, yeah. that if you are well read and you have, yeah, that 
photographic memory where you've read all of those books, you can so easily put them in, in little bits and pieces into another literary work where people are like yeah. having book clubs about you and the yes. book you've written. I think, um, and, and the more I learn about Ray Bradbury, besides the fact that I, I like the way he tells stories and uh, his short stories for Hank 451, mm-hmm. they're all amazing. But him as a writer, he um, he was describing the way he writes as, you, you don't, at least for him, and he's very <laughs> outspoken, he was very outspoken about it in the interview, but he's like, you don't, you know, you don't make plot points or you don't, you know, do the... Uh, mapping and things like that he's like you have to talk to your characters like the second I met Guy Montag like he I was just like well what are you doing and then he would talk to Clarice and I loved that kind of conversational mm-hmm. where he 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 was like the characters just told me what what they wanted in life and I just paved the way for them like I just created the scene or whatever and uh as w- someone who loves writing but is not necessarily a fictional writer I was like that's a really cool Mm -hmm. way of putting it I mean also interesting like this is really his only sci-fi book you know his other ones are still dystopian I Mm -hmm. you know to a certain degree but um but this one was you know very much kind of that predicting the the future type of book with all of the um all of the technology and stuff that he was portraying the cars and uh the um, like the little well, seashell yeah, earpieces and um and even just that kind of I the first time I read it and now it's like also coming back to me what I was thinking then what I'm thinking now how he took fireman and just spun it on head he's like what happens when every house is fireproof and things aren't really catching on fire anymore there's this huge group of people who are going to potentially be out of like a job and Not anymore <laughs> yeah and so then they literally turned into firemen and um it's just very smart writing that's true oh this is a little off topic but i watched the last crusade a couple days ago Mm -hmm. and there's a scene where (laughs) indiana jones is trying to get his dad's diary and he's in berlin and there's a big book burning and (laughs) so they're all trying to get away indiana jones and his dad are both in you know nazi regalia and he has the diary in his hand and runs into hitler and, and you're thinking, you're like, oh, yeah. no, he's going to burn it. He's going to burn it. What's going to happen? And instead, Hitler just takes the book and signs it and <laughs> gives it back to Indiana Jones. It's like, oh, well, if only that's exactly how, you know, all of these book burnings went. Yeah. But it, have you read uh, October Country? No, it's, um, I have, okay. I have the physical book. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to say 90% of the short stories in that, that's also a Ray Bradbury, mm-hmm. by the way, are excellent. And most of them are on the creepier side, but there are a couple that kind of, like, skirt that sci-fi yeah. level. So that's definitely something you could check out or maybe wait until, like, October. Kind of like yeah, a, maybe a do October country then. Because, I mean, to be honest, I, I'll say I'll recommend any of his books. I've read mm-hmm. Martian Chronicles. Um, I've read The Illustrated Man, um, Dandelion Wine. Yeah. Um, I haven't read October Country yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. That one's on my... Dandelion do. wine was something, my grandfather is 83 years old and an Englishman, and that was something he was insistent upon. Yeah. He was like, you have to borrow this and you have to read this. Like, all right, all right, I'll do it. I yeah. Promise. So, you know, spans the ages. And they're, they're such, like, when he, when in the, especially in the short story books, they're just such easy reads because, I mean, short stories are so easy to read. It's so easy to just be like, oh, I have to finish this chapter and then get to the next one. It's a new story, but it's kind of all tied together in mm-hmm. some the same kind of feeling. Like, there's a reason that I think that they he put those collections all together, or his yeah. publishers did, whoever did. So, I liked this quote. Um, just a, kind of like as a standalone. And yeah. this is after Montag takes the books 
and is sitting and like devouring them in his house. Mm-hmm. And his wife is just terrified. She's like, what the hell is happening? Why are you doing this? But I liked this and I kind of, this is something that I feel like I would, you know, paint on like a lovely thing. It says uh, we can't tell the precise moment when friendship is formed. As in filling a vessel drop by drop, there is a last drop which makes it run over. So in a series of kindnesses, there is at last one which makes the heart run over. It doesn't necessarily, like, apply to anything else in this story whatsoever because it takes a lot for him to find any type of camaraderie or friendship with anyone, especially once once he decides that, you know, book burning is dumb and he doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Like, he's just, they're constantly enemies any, everywhere. Now, my question for you, yes. would you consider Beatty the main antagonist? Or do you think that it's a collection of things? Or... I don't think it's Beatty yeah. specifically. I would say it's more of uh, the, the the mindset of the mm-hmm. people or the kind society. of... The, yeah, society, technology, like a combination of all of the above type of things. Because... Um, Beatty wasn't the one who, you know, decided all all of this. He's just part of kind of the the school, like this part of this yeah. school of thought. That's mm-hmm. um, and I don't even think he's necessarily the main um, like antagonist to Guy Montag. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I think that's I think most of what um, Montag is going through is uh, an internal, you know, d- like yeah. dilemma. It's more of his arc as a person and. Um, even when, you know, the confrontation with Beatty happens, it, uh, I don't think that's even his biggest arc, you know, as a guy yeah. in contact. So, like, yeah. Enlightenment versus ignorance or something that sounds equally as, like, <laughs> something that you would have to write a dissertation about in college. Yeah. Like, how the characters are reacting to the world that was built for them, not necessarily to each other. Yeah. No. I definitely agree with that. I was yeah. thinking about, like, just like I said um, earlier about the digitized books and how, you know, the it's not as finite now with literature. What do you think beyond that, since this is a future kind of dystopian book, what else do you think if someone were writing it now, they would kind of add and change to make it more progressive? Because obviously in 1950, this was insane, whereas now we're looking at it and we see like, oh, these are all things that are yeah. around us all over the so place. So like if this was being written now, yeah. um, I think a big part of it would be AI, honestly, mm-hmm. like because uh, even it, if you're talking like sci-fi futuristic things and you're talking about like having kind of um, servants around the house, that mm-hmm. might be AI. And then, or even, you know, the movie She, like oh, how yeah. like the collective AI mm-hmm. can just kind of go off and like take over the internet or, you know, it's scary. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now because I'm I mean, whole we got the mechanical thing, hound, which is creepy enough. The mechanical yeah. hound is super creepy. Yeah. They have mechanical hounds in like the newest Kingsman installment. And so as I was, you know, flipping through it and reading it, that's what I had in mind. Yeah. And they're vicious looking things. Yeah. So, some element, but they they almost alluded to that being less AI and more like robotic. But mm-hmm. it still kind of seemed like the hound was making choices. Yeah, um, I think uh, it, that's a tough one. I and this is kind of tangential, but very similar sure. to your topic. Uh, what are your thoughts on audiobooks uh, in terms of do you actually could you call yourself a reader if you only listen to audiobooks? Mm. I, as a Californian yeah. and as an Angelino, find audiobooks convenient. Yes. Um, because with certain books, it makes it really easy to listen to in the car. However, 
I don't do a ton of audiobooks that are fiction. So mm -hmm. most of the books that I read, I, we probably talked about this in the first episode. Most of the books that I read are fiction. I do really enjoy fiction books, but I yeah. read biographies and I'll read memoirs and, you know, a selected nonfiction. It's, I really prefer being like taken away and on this, you know, of some kind of story. But I like listening to memoirs and biographies because more often than not lately, the author reads them. Mm -hmm. So it kind of almost feels more like a podcast where you're listening to them read this book. It's, you can, st if you're reading it, you still hear their voice in your head for the most part yeah. while you're reading. But I like that. I find that when I listen to fiction, I end up liking it less. Like you talk about how Catch-22 is your favorite book because I was commuting for work at the time when I was reading it. I didn't read it. I listened to it mm -hmm. and I didn't like it as much. And I wonder if I would have enjoyed it more if I had read it. Mm -hmm. And that seems to kind of be, it still feels like you're reading. It still yeah. is that intellectual. Like you're, you're still imagining what's happening. No one's yeah. putting a screen in front of you and telling you what to do. I mean, even now they've got, I don't know if you've seen any of this podcasts that tell you, um, fiction stories in installments. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you can listen to this part, like one chapter a week or something yeah. and they'll record it like an audio book. Cause like, I'm not against audio yeah. uh, books. I listen to them. I mean, e or like I've told you before, I'll, um, oftentimes download like onto my Kindle, uh, at the ebook. And then I'll also have the audio file. So that way, um, if I want to get through a book fast and it'll stay in its same place, whether it's I'm listening, it's, it is, which really is remarkable. Awesome. Okay. If I could recommend one thing yeah. that is the bomb. If you could have the ebook and the audio file synced at all times, cause that's when I was reading American gods and mm -hmm. like, I would read it at night, mm -hmm. but then I had to go do work in a warehouse for like three hours. So, and, and it was just like me by myself. So I was like, Oh, I'll just put on this. And it picked up where I left off. And then when I got home that night, I finished reading the book and I was like that's the bomb okay I love that aspect of audiobooks but I guess um, there is this slight passivity to listening to books that mm -hmm. is different things. yeah like you know I'll I'll read a paragraph like two times because it'll have a favorite quote or whatever where I'll never stop and you know rewind an audiobook to like re-listen to passages generally Very rarely. um and I and I guess Again, it's not like me coming against it, but I'm like, I wonder how that'll affect future generations if, let's say, you know, instead of me right now, it, I lean towards, like, physically reading a book more so than I listen to books, but, mm -hmm. like, maybe future generations will be listening to a lot more books than they will be reading books, and I, I don't I don't know what that outcome is, you know? Uh, last year, we read uh, Hatchet in my sixth grade classroom, and I am definitely guilty that at least on two occasions, rather than reading aloud and popcorn reading, like I've found chapters on YouTube or on, you know, through my local LA public library or something mm -hmm. and play them that way. And the only trouble with that is it does seem to engage them more. And it's really disappointing to watch that because you want them to want to let, I mean, they're all looking at their books yeah. or who knows if they're reading <laughs> or if they're just listening. They're 12. But you, you can't tell it this. It's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. And when you see that they're more engaged, when there's like a screen or an audio kind of file or a video involved, it's disappointing. Yeah. Just because it is, a lot has changed in the last 20 years. Yeah. So I don't know. It's on the other hand, like I would rather people listen to audiobooks than not, not listen to books at all. Yeah. Yeah, don't just sit up and watch, you know, Riverdale, like, 
for 30 hours on Netflix or something. Yeah. Do something else. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm not against, you know, binge watching the occasional, like, no. whatever, but uh, you, you, there's just so much that is written that you are not going to get from film and other media, you know? No, and there's something to be said for being able to make your, paint your own pictures. Like, I know many of us, and especially if you're listening to this podcast, this is probably definitely you, have read Harry Potter and also seen the films. Mm -hmm. So it's like I had read probably up to the fifth book or whatever they had had published before the first movie came out. And I know that there was a big hubbub, maybe even still is now, about characters in the book versus how characters look in the movie and kind of how you, even in the States, like pronounce certain names Mm -hmm. and you're watching the film and you're like, Hermione. It was Hermione in my head for like, like, or (laughs) so it's hard to kind of switch that because it's like you're so used to reading it and thinking things in that way in your head. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really thinking now again about your, what you said about the photographic memories. Like (laughs) all of those characters at the end of this book were were just like, oh, well, I just memorized all of these works. So we don't need them anymore. Like we can just type them ourselves. That way the government can't have them. Like also that would really... It would be really helpful in a lot of ways, I feel like, because there is this kind of, you know, and again, not to like get political, but there's so much of that, like, oh, that's fake and that's fake and that's fake, like like fake news and all that stuff. And you're just like, essentially, we only get fed what people want to feed us through those kind of media sources. Mm -hmm. And that's why everything is biased. Like everything you read is and and hear is biased. And you just kind of learn to accept that for what it is. uh, well, in this, um, this is something I actually don't know. I'm not asking this question, like, baiting you because I know the answer. <laughs> was this ever on any of those banned um, book lists? Was this a banned book at any point in time? I don't think so. All right. Well, fact checkers, mm, let yeah. us know if this was ever a banned book. Uh, uh, tweet at us, at yeah. DPS underscore podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because it, it is really interesting. I'm seeing – I worked at Barnes & Noble when I was in college, and – at one point in time, I had a, a customer come in that wanted to buy up four different editions of um, Huckleberry Finn because he found out that of many of the publishers that had it, because I believe it's free domain mm-hmm. at this point in time, many of the publishers that were printing it were changing the language to make it less what you, I mean, offensive, I suppose. But he disagreed and was saying that, you know, it's a, you know, social commentary, which it definitely is. I I think that it should be taught as exactly as it is. I think it mm-hmm. should be printed as exactly as it is. Um, but it makes me wonder about books like this that were super controversial when they came out, like yeah. uh, having to do with government. Like, what's the next step? Like, is that something that happens? I know that there are other countries than ours that do kind of censor a lot more than we do. There's, there's certainly yeah. censorship in the United States, but you're not going to find it at Barnes so, & Noble. Yeah. They don't yeah. do any censorship, by the way, guys. You can get any book there. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. There, there's other countries with very heavy censorship mm-hmm. in comparison to what we have here. So um. so whereas I wouldn't want to, like, read aloud, because it would probably make me very uncomfortable, um, Huckleberry Finn, if I were teaching, like, a junior yeah. high school English class. Which is fair. Um, I think that if you changed the verbiage, it would... It, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Like, it's not supposed... Books yeah. like... Yeah, and in books like 451, it's not... It, Fahrenheit 451 is not supposed to make you plat... Like, 
comfortable. You're not just supposed to be like, oh, oh, oh well, that was a story. Well, to be honest, most of Ray Bradbury's books make me uncomfortable yeah. because it is this kind of dystopia. It's, um, it's really, I think, his call to prevent these things mm-hmm. from happening, saying, hey, guys, we have to keep culture and writing and um, we have to keep creativity and like this kind of beauty alive um, and this kind of individuality as well because otherwise it can just be like this kind of government takeover or, oh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get to the point where um, ingenuity and stuff is frowned upon or um, thinking for yourself, and, you know, unless you're in the making of it. Like, unless you're exactly. in the Exactly, and that's what I was going to say. Like, the one thing that it is kind of valued in this society, and you can see this in schools, you can see this in the degrees that actually get well-paying jobs Mm -hmm. it's definitely not in the arts yeah like you you get like a and arts programs are the first to go all the time because absolutely oh yeah no there's there's no choir or anything at my school no there's a coding club yeah and you know we can apply for grant not my school is great i'm not not talking (laughs) smack about my school but (laughs) no it's okay the value is so much more in tech which is a great teaching resource it's absolutely you know so 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 helpful when it comes to education but the amount of arts programs that are extracurricular activities and like coding mm-hmm. and things that are more computer sciences, I granted those are important jobs. We use technology sure. every day. And technology keeps advancing. Absolutely. But that's where the importance is now. Yeah. The importance isn't on, you know, art and expression and beauty and. Yeah. No, I just sound like a really, like, crazy left-wing no, person. No, but, but, like, I, I totally understand. And, okay, this is going to show kind of a little guilty pleasure in my – but I've been watching the show Younger with oh Sun Foster and Hillary Oh, my God, it's so good. It makes me want to – it makes me want oh to be an editor so yes. bad, actually, because I was like, okay, I love books, and I would love a job where I could just, like, stay up all night reading and then being like, oh, let me help you. But it also yeah. brought to light – um, really interesting aspects of like the book industry mm-hmm. as well but it also brings to light like how they're struggling because they, they talk about a lot yeah. in the show like how it's like oh we need this author to stay yeah. on because otherwise we have no money because pr- like printed books are, are not <laughs> are not where the money's at right yeah, now no. you know? well and an interesting thing uh in the last episode that i watched of younger sutton foster's character was like um, DMing. Sorry, sorry if you guys haven't watched Younger, oh but it's so great. Watch it anyways. Go on. Sutton Foster talks about a DM. She's like, what's a DM? I don't know what that means yeah. on Instagram. And another character is like, uh, that's that's a direct message. Like, you yeah. should know what that is. She's like, I read three novels a week. Like, I yeah. don't. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. And I was like, I want to do that. I yeah. Wanna, yeah. I want to not know what a DM is because I read too many yeah. darn novels every week. Yeah. It's, um, anyways, if, like, if you're a book lover and you, like, you want something just, like, fun and a little cheesy and, like, a little whatever, check out Younger. That's going to be my unsolicited advice TV for land. <laughs> You can watch it on the TV Land app yeah. also. But yes. Hilary Duff is great. And Sun Foster is great. Debbie Mazur. It's excellent. Great excellent. cast. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Little, but, um, but anyways, like with the whole literary, literary world, it was yeah. just, um, I, I guess my, my point is just like, I, I, I hope there's enough people in the world, it, well, it, even in the United States, that just like supports, you know, your local bookstores or supports publishers. Or if you find an author you like, like buy their book and things like that. And it's ju- it's the same exact thing I'm finding with, you know, if you like a YouTube personality or if mm-hmm. you like an Instagram model or whatever it is, you, you support them you know, uh, monetarily you support them by buying their products or by liking them you, or whatever. If you don't, um, they won't be there anymore. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of the whole like artistic scene of things is we 
like uh, we, uh, but like uh, art, artistic, creative people yeah. need that need that kind of community and that kind of support. And it's the same thing with books. Whereas if people stop reading them, or there's it's supply and demand type of thing, like it. it and I think books do have a really strong tie to it, like intellectual conversation and culture and like mm -hmm. all this stuff and they they bring to light a lot of things that movies are brilliant but books are just different you know like and it's even better when you have both of the same things so that way 90% of the time you can tear apart the movie and... <laughs> okay I mean yeah. no the book's always better um it, unless it's you Jurassic know. Park well, like, yeah, really <laughs> but good. like, I mean, I think the other reason why the book's always better is because you can have like a 900 page novel and absolutely love it, and then you go see the movie and you're like, oh, they missed this and this and this. And like, yeah, they weren't yeah. going to make a five hour film. You know? <laughs> and I feel like uh, both of our gentlemen are in an industry where they watch a lot of movies and TV shows yes. and things like that. Um, I always feel like I, I can discuss movies like I could, you know, take a class and write a paper or, you know, have a friendly discussion about a film, but not in the same way as a book. Like, because you're reading these, it makes you think of so many other things while you're doing it. Like this one, it really did just make me think of uh, a, a lot of politics, which yeah. is super annoying to listen to, but it's really effective. It's super pertinent. If you're just listening to this and you have not read it, please go do so now because it will make you, it will give you a new perspective on Yes. Very many things that are happening all over the world right now, not just in the United States. Yeah. But, you know, you can also pick up something like uh, Gone Girl, mm -hmm. and it has very little bearing on any type of, like, current political structure, but it still is an enjoyable read. Like, it, books can do all kinds of things for you, and I know that TV and movies can yes. too. Maybe I'm just a book snob, but... Yeah. But you know what? That's why you're listening to this podcast is because that's what we're doing, talking about books. Like, you can go listen to a movie podcast if you want to go talk about movies, and I have nothing against that. No, I listen true. to a lot of movie podcasts. That's true. That's fine. Um, well, I think that'll conclude us for today. Yeah. Um, so, please, please uh, DM us on Instagram, because I do know what that means, or add us on Twitter, anything. If both you, of them are at DPS underscore podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you... If you think we missed anything incredibly pertinent, like, I would be happy to have, like, a nice little, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, My Favorite Murder, does a corrections corner, so yeah. please feel free. Yeah, kind of like at the start of the next podcast, you can be like, yeah. oh, and this person, we'd love to hear from you. Um, We've both uh, finished our whiskey cocktails, so I would say... Pretty nice. Well, yeah. yeah. It was easy Clever to sip us. on, you know? It, mm -hmm. it didn't taste alcoholic even though there was a bunch of fireball in there and that's like one of the most enjoyable fireball drinks i've ever yeah, had so. so go ahead and make yourself a fireman and if you've already read fahrenheit 451 maybe make yourself a fireman and catch the newest movie on hbo which, which i'll have to check out yeah we have not done yet so we'll see about that one uh check us out next time oh wait wait first we have to give oh. it a rating oh yes that's true we do need to do that out of five Sure. Is it normally five stars? Last time we did it out of uh, beer, remember? Oh. Like, <laughs> well, we of, can do it in, um, in cocktails. How many shots of whiskey is there? <laughs> how many shots of whiskey would I give this book? Um, because it really, really, really did make me think, and I enjoyed the prose, and honestly, I had to reread a few things a few times, I'm going to give it five shots of fireball. I enjoyed it. Um a lot of it was really upsetting, so I don't know if yeah. I'm, like, going to dive right in and do it again in another two years. But yeah. in, in another ten years, when I read it again, I'm, I'm sure that the, 
five shots of fireball will remain. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll give it five shots of fireball as well. Um, love Ray Bradbury. I'm glad, like, I took a little bit of time and just got to, like, know more about him as an author as well because mm-hmm. I'm in love with all of his work, and I'm sure another one of his, like, short story books will pop up on the podcast at some point. Yeah, like you said, it translates from when it was first written to where it is now, um, and I think it, it should continue being read. It's a book that everyone should read in their lifetime if you are a reader on any stance, so... Um, yeah, five, five shots for me as well. Also, if you're not a reader, then you should definitely read it because <laughs> or hopefully- Or listen to it. I don't mind. Yeah, Get that's true. <laughs> Maybe it'll make you listen to more audiobooks or read more books. Um, next on Drunk Poet Society, you will find us discussing Christopher Moore's Lamb, Yay. which I would please go out and read it. Even if you don't want to listen to the podcast, yeah. it is such a delight of you're satire. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh out loud. On public transport, yes. like I do. Excellently. Yes, yes. It'll be great. Uh, and we just want to leave you with one reminder. that It's not drinking alone if you've got a book. See you later. Bye.